Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? Great. Great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, before we go into our sermon, uh, I need your help this week specifically. So uh, we have about 38 students, give or take, this week that will be participating in what is called our Serve Week camp. And during Serve Week, we will be serving the community and the church throughout the week in different ways. And I'm first asking that you keep us in prayer the entire week. Um, working with 38 teenagers, I'm going to need a lot of energy, all right? Um, but on the, on the other side of it, I, I'm asking that you keep Thursday afternoon specifically in your prayers between 2 and, two and 5 p.m., 5 p.m., because on Thursday afternoon, these 38 students will be splitting between the Pensburg community and Quakertown community, and will be sharing the gospel message throughout our community. And, yeah, and, it, and it's going to take a lot of courage, it's going to take a lot of boldness and, and strength from the Spirit of God, and we want to see this next generation be used by the Lord, and we're anticipating and hoping that God will use them to reach people that have never heard the gospel message in these areas and that lives will be changed for the rest of eternity. Amen. So if you guys, yes, amen. So keep the us in prayer the entire week, but I'm asking specifically on Thursday as well uh, from 2 to 5 p.m. as we get ready uh, to do that. So with that, we're going to continue our series, I Believe, and we're talking about the church today. Now, not the building that we're in, but us as the church. And I came across a couple quotes that I want to share with you before we, we dive into God's word. And the first one was by a guy named Robert H. Bork, and it says this, if a church changes doctrine and structure to follow its members' views, it is difficult to see the value of that church and its religion. Religions must claim to be true and in their essentials to uphold principles that are universal and eternal. No church. There we go. Woo. No church. That panders to the cultural climate deserves respect and very shortly will not get respect except from those who find it politically useful. And that is less respect than, dis than dis disguised contempt. There was another quote by Timothy Whitmer. And he says this, the downward trajectory of cultural standards places increasingly greater pressure on the church as it strives to maintain the clear moral imperatives of the scriptures. I, I, I found those quotes convicting but also truthful because I look at our culture today and, and people saying, well, the, the Bible is 2,000 years old. We need some changes. We, we, we're not to follow the scriptures. And and unfortunately, there are some, quote, churches that are buying into this lie and they'd rather pander to the world than, than live according to God's word. But here's the thing. The, the church isn't ran by the culture. 
The church is ran by Jesus Christ. The church is ran by Jesus Christ. And the main point that I want us to talk about today about the church is that the church is composed of individuals who seek to glorify Jesus Christ. That, that is our mission. That is our responsibility as the church. Me, you, all of us, those watching online, those in Pennsburg. Our mission as the church, as composed individuals, is to glorify Jesus Christ. And so today as we go into the scriptures and, and seeing how the church is to function and glorify Christ, would you join me in prayer this morning that, that lives can be changed here today and that we as the church can go out and be the church? So let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you that by your grace we had the freedom to gather here this morning, Lord God, as the church. Father, as we go into your scriptures and, and knowing that the church is your precious bride, Lord God, there, there is a way that you have called the church to live. There is a way that you've called the church to glorify you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you use me as a vessel to speak the truth in love today, Lord God, and that as we go through your word, we recognize how important you are, Jesus, to us being able to do what the church is called to do. I pray that we never lose focus on who you are, Jesus, what you have done, done for us, Lord God, and that we are called servants and children of the almighty God. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is the church? Let's just start there. What is the church? And, and sometimes people think that the church is just a building that we go to. And that's not true. As I said, that the church is us. It's us as the people. In Romans 12, starting at verses 4 and 5, it reads this. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Notice that the Apostle Paul, there's a key word in there. He says, we. We are the body. We are the ones that make up the different parts of the body. And we're going to look at that here in a little bit. But he didn't say the chair is the body of Christ. He, he didn't say the building is the body of Christ. He's saying we as individuals are the body of Christ. And something that I've always wrestled with is this, this term of I'm going to church. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. And, and I get for most people when they say I'm going to church, I would believe those who believe in Christ, and th that means they're coming to worship Jesus in that context. Like I'm going to church to be with my brothers and sisters, with my family, and worship Jesus. I get that aspect. But there are sometimes I, there are some people when they say I'm going to church, and I'm asking, well, what does going to church mean to you? It could be, well, I, I need to get right with God this week, so I'm good next week. Or I have to do my due diligence, or, well, it's just something we did growing up, so I'm going to continue just going to church. Listen, God called us to gather and worship his holy name, which is awesome. We should never neglect the gathering here like, like we are here today. But I need to remind us all that God didn't just call us to go to church 
God called us to be the church. And so we must be the church. Yeah, I'm grateful that we can come here and gather. And, you know, there's some of you guys I don't see throughout the week. And I'm excited, like, man, who can I talk to this week? What exciting stories can I, you know, hear from this week and what's going on? But but we're not just called to go to church. We're called to be the church and to glorify Jesus Christ. And and there are four ways that I just want to briefly talk about that the, the, the scriptures show us on how the church is called to glorify Jesus Christ. And the first way is that individuals of the church keep Jesus Christ the head of the body. Individuals of the church keep Jesus Christ the head of the body. Colossians 1.18 says, He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. And in Ephesians 4.16, From him the whole body fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. See, Christ is the one who designed the church. He, he, he's the one who designed the body. Like, if you, like, look around for a second. Just look around. All of us, we're part of the body here. And that he, he has brought us all together by his grace and, and to work collectively for his mission. He's put the the church together. He's put principles together on how the church should be ran. And I talked about this last week with, with the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit uses us to, to, to do things for the kingdom of God. But if we get in the way, if our flesh gets in the way, if we, we trust in more of the man-made things than, than in the spirit of God, then as one gentleman told me today, we, we could be like on a bicycle and we're going one way, we're going another. I don't know about you, but I've crashed into trees before or on bicycles and that. And, and, and we seem to get off track. But w- when we keep Jesus at the forefront, when we keep Jesus at the head, we stay on the straight and narrow. We, we, we don't necessarily worry about what culture has to say. We don't necessarily think, well, do we have to compromise to what God's word said so that we can make everyone happy? Listen, not everyone's going to be happy with us. The world system will do everything that they can to rebel against God, to shut down God. But again, as I said earlier, cultural views should not be dictating how the church operates. Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Messiah, is the only one who dictates how the church operates. The second thing that we see here on the way that the church glorifies Christ is that individuals of the church utilize their gifts. Individuals of the church utilize their gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 24. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit in one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. And then Romans 12, verses 4 through 8, it says, Now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the portion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching, in exhorting, in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. I know there's a lot there, and we're going to unpack it here a little bit, but I love Paul's analogy with the body and different parts of the body because we all have gifts that God has given us. I, I, I really talked about that last week, but I really hope that you believe that, that whatever gift that God has given you, that, that has come from him, and you are called to utilize that gift for the glory of God. And no gift, whether, you know, sometimes we think like, oh, well, teaching is this greatest gift or this is the greatest. No, no, listen, every gift is important. I I was thinking about this as we're talking about body parts. Has anyone ever thought about their nails before? Now, I know women, you, you guys paint them most of the time and everything like that. But I'm sitting in my seat during worship and I'm thinking about this and I'm like, I don't often think about my fingernail. Unless I cut it too short. Anyone ever been there before? Right? Like, you're not too worried about your fingernail until you cut it too short or you don't cut it the right way. And then it it hurts. You can't really pick things up. You feel like it's irritating. And then for two weeks, you're like, just fix yourself. (laughs) But yet, because the nail is there, it it protects the skin that's under there and everything. So my fingernail has an important part to play. W- without that, there could be infection. My, my finger would be hurting a lot and irritating. It would be hard to flip through. But it has a part to play. And my point is, we all have a part to play. And sometimes I hear this thing where like, oh, well, oh, I'm just a greeter. Or I just pour the coffee. Or I just, I just, I just. No, 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 no. You don't just. You get to. You, you, you get to do those things. If you're a greeter, you're that first impression that people see when you come through those doors. If, if you're part of the security team, you're, you're one of those guys that, or gals that, that keeps an eye on certain things. If you're on the worship team, that your part is to help the congregation and leading them and being a part of of worship. If you're pouring coffee or, or selling things at the cafe area, you are helping someone who is thirsty or hungry or unable to start a conversation with someone who may be brand new. We don't just do these things. 
we get to do these things, not to say how great Morningstar is, look at the great coffee we have or anything. We get to do this to show the love of Jesus Christ. And when you keep that perspective, everything that we do is for the love of Jesus Christ, you never think of how small you are, but you think of how great our God is. The third thing that we see about individuals, uh, how we glorify Christ as individuals of the church, uh, the church is unified. The church is unified. And in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, it says, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Now, does unity mean everything's going to be kumbaya? No. We're, we're people. As what, what's the, never mind. Um, we have different opinions. We have uh, different thought processes. We have different ideas. And, and sometimes those ideas can cause some uh, um, Yes, thank you, everyone who said that. Um, conflict. I guess I didn't have enough coffee this morning. Um, conflict sometimes, and we can r- ruffle each other's feathers sometimes, but I think sometimes when it comes to this unity thing, we try to be unified on smaller things that don't matter, and we forget that we need to be unified on bigger things according to God's word. And, and, and here's, here's what I mean. At Morning Star Fellowship, we have a set of doctrines according to God's word. And, and these things here at Morning Star Fellowship, if, if you call yourself a member here at this church or, or you're all in for the church here, these are things that we as the body must be unified on. And the first one is that God is creator and ruler of the universe. He has eternal existence in three personalities, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are co-equal and are one God. The second thing that we must be unified in is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is co-equal with the Father. Jesus was virgin born, lived a sinless human life, demonstrated his authority through many miracles and offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of all people by dying on the cross. He arose from the dead after three days to demonstrate his power over sin and death. He ascended to his Father in heaven and is coming again. He will return someday to earth to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. The third thing that we as the church must be unified in is that the Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and the Son of God. He is present in the world to make men aware of their need for Jesus Christ. Scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit indwells in every believer, enabling them to live the abundant life and display the character of Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers the believer to witness and endow spiritual gifts. The church is built up. And those who are searching find eternal life in Christ. 
as Christians, we live under his control daily. Another thing that we must be unified in is that man was made in the spiritual image of God to be like him in character, the supreme object of God's creation. Although every person has tremendous potential for good, all of us from birth are marred by an attitude of disobedience toward God called sin. Because of sin, all people are under a curse and are in a state of spiritual separation from God. The ultimate result of sin is death. Fifth thing is that people were created to exist forever. We will either exist eternally separated from God by sin or eternally with God through forgiveness and salvation. To be eternally separated from God is hell. To be eternally in union with him is eternal life. Heaven and hell are real places of eternal existence. Salvation is God's free gift to us, but we must accept it. We can never make up for our own sin by self-improvement or good works, only by trusting in Jesus Christ as as God's offer of forgiveness and anyone be saved from sin's penalty. When we turn away from our self-ruled life and turn to Jesus in faith, we are saved. Eternal life begins the moment one receives Jesus Christ into his life by faith. Christ alone secures salvation. And there are many others on our website that I encourage you to read and under, understand what our, our doctrinal thing is. But here's my point. We need to be unified in that. We, we need to be unified in those things based off the scripture. Like, listen, I get it. A lot of us have different preferences. Sometimes we hear them. Oh, the lights are too bright, they're not bright enough, the music's too loud, we should be a lot quieter. This, that. Listen, we're all going to have our different preferences. We're, we're going to have the, our preferences and how leaders should lead and, and all these different things. But can I ask you something? As long as they're preaching Jesus, as long as they're going to be faithful to the word of God, as long as we keep Jesus at the head of this church and not allow man or anyone to dictate how the church runs, can we be unified as one body, one believer, one baptism in the spirit of God and not, and not let those small things detra- distract us from the big picture? See, there, there's been a verse for the last week, and I, I'm going to share it this week. It's in Matthew 23, verse 24, one of the craziest things, but one of the most eye-opening things Jesus says to the Pharisees. He says, you strain on a gnat and you gulp a camel. Matthew 23, 24. I encourage you to go read Matthew 23. But and, and the point that Jesus is saying you're to the Pharisees here, you're so concerned about your traditions and, and keeping up with the law and everything like that, that you're missing the big picture. You, you're, you're straining on these small things that you don't even recognize I'm here. Like, think about it. The Pharisees didn't even recognize Jesus was there because they were so focused on the law. And I'm saying here, sometimes we can be so focused on our man-made traditions and how everything should be run that that we forget who Jesus is. We forget what his word has to say. And, And we, this leads me to my last point here, that we as the church, the way we glorify Christ is that we love Jesus and we love others. We love Jesus and we love others. 
see, in, a, in Revelation chapter 2, 1 through 7, it starts where Jesus uh, writes seven letters to the churches. And he writes one specifically to a church in Ephesus. And he, and he says this. Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. You have found them to be liars. I know that you have preserved and endured hardship for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you, yet you do have this. You, ha- you hate the practi- practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. See, the church in Ephesus did all these great things. They did all these wonderful works, but their biggest pitfall was they didn't love. And, and maybe you've been around people. I know I've encountered people before where, where they, they speak the truth, but sometimes it's not always loving. And we as the church, we've got to be careful when we speak the truth. Are we speaking it in love? Or are we speaking it in a way that shows ourselves, ah, I'm better than you? Listen, Jesus tells us, take the plank out of your own eye first. We, we shouldn't just be necessarily telling the truth to, so we can, you know, focus on everyone else's sins and, and not focus on what we need to work on. No, we, we need to take the plank out of our own eye first and then lovingly help those that have that same plank that we once had. And see, with, without... Listen, without the love of Jesus, everything else I talked about, we can't do. If we don't love Jesus, we're not going to keep Jesus Christ as, as the head of the church. If, if we don't love Jesus, we're, we're going to look at what we do as just, uh, it's no big deal. It's a big deal. Eternity is at stake. See, we, who likes sports? Who likes sports, right? How many of you, when a sports team is in the playoffs or a finals or, or even in the regular season, I think football season is coming up here soon. <laughs> Go Giants. Anyways, um, what happens if a, if a team doesn't seem to be playing their part or the individuals on their team don't be playing their part? We're like, come on, man. You're being paid millions. Why just throw the ball or catch the ball, whatever sport it is. Hit the hockey puck. And we get so mad at these millionaire athletes. But are we looking inside and what we're doing as the church for the glory of God? Right? Out of love, out of of compassion, because at the end of the day, as I said, eternity is at stake. And, And our job as the church isn't just to come here, be, all right, yeah, I'm here and forget everyone else out there. No, we're supposed to love the people out there so they can become a part of this community, so they can have eternal life with Jesus Christ and not be in damnation in hell. 
That, that is the central focus of the church. And if we miss that, we miss what Jesus has called us to do. But again, we've got to do it in love. And Ephesians 4 verse 15 says, speak, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head. And in Romans 12, 9, starting at verse 9, it says, let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. One, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Just time out for a second. You know what fer- that there means? I've talked to the students about this, and I got really excited about this. That word fervent there means passion and excitement. Are you excited to be a Christian? Are you excited that Jesus Christ gave you eternal salvation? Are you excited to share the truth of who Jesus is so someone else can be joyful and excited and have that same passion. Because sometimes, sometimes I hear this, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. Did he say, oh yeah, he, he saved my life. Be excited! <laughs> That's my rant on being fervent. All right. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me, and I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but be conquered with good. See, see, love is more than just, well, I'm going to pick and choose who I want to love. You know, Fred over here, he's pretty easy to love. Larry, mm, not so much. I'm going to love Fred. Forget Larry. Sorry if your name is Larry. I'm not forgetting you. See, it's easier for us to love on those that we, you know, we have some com- things in common with, personalities are similar, but it's a lot harder to, to love someone who may have different opinions of you, who have different personalities or, or quirks than you. But we just read here, Jesus tells us we are to love them. We're, we're even called to love on those who curse us and want to persecute us. Why? Because at the end of the day, we're to pray for them and hope that God would soften their hearts. See, in our youth group, Two Wednesdays ago, we, we shared a story about the power of the persecution, persecuted church. And there was one individual who was a Muslim, and he was at school when he was 15 years old. 
And there was a Christian, according to this guy named Zachariah, who would come into the school, and being a Muslim, this guy said he had to hate Zachariah for being a Christian. And so this gentleman who was a Muslim got together with some of his friends and said, I hate Zachariah, we need to, we need to beat him up. Not kill him, but pretty close. And so one day, um, Zachariah, not, I'm sorry, this Muslim gentleman and his friends beat up on Zachariah, left him for dead, and Zachariah didn't die. But years later, this, this gentleman who was a Muslim came to know Jesus Christ. And he talked about his backstory, how his, his parents got rid of him, like to the point that like they literally said he was dead. They, they built a gravestone for him, and, and he can go back to his home and see that he's quote, dead. Well, this gentleman who, who was a Muslim, now a Christian, is going around the world speaking and evangelizing that he was dead. They, they built a gravestone for him, and, and he can go back to his home and see that he's, quote, dead. Well, this gentleman who, who was a Muslim, now a Christian, is going around the world speaking and evangelizing, and 25 years later, this gentleman comes up to him and starts talking, having conversation, and this older gentleman says, do you know who I am? No, I, I have no idea. You're my first time seeing me. He says, I'm Zachariah. I'm the guy you left for dead 25 years ago. This is what Zachariah said, and this is what got this guy about the, what it means to show love as the church, and it, and it, and it got me. He said, Zachariah said to him, the day after you beat me up, I prayed for you every single day. And Zechariah showed this guy's name in the front of his Bible, and he said, pray for this man, pray for this man, pray for this man. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what being a church is all about. That is what showing love as the church is all about, leaving it in God's hand to allow him to do only the mighty work that he can do. And so uh, just three things I want to leave us here with um, this morning as we close and go to a time of worship. And the first part is, am I a participant of the church or do I just go to church? See, you can just come here and we can gather and that's great, but what are you doing not just in these walls but outside of these walls? See, I think too many times we think we have to have this big platform or, or we have to be this big person to, to do something for the glory of God. Can I tell you, we're, we're just small servants. Christ is the big one. Christ is the, is the ultimate Savior. And one, I was actually having a conversation with a friend last night talking about this sermon. And he reminded me that we talk about Stephen who was like the, the first martyr per se, and he was stoned by the apostles before Paul uh, was converted. You know what Stephen's job was? He was a waiter. Go read Acts 6 and 7, I believe. It was when the churches, they, they're trying to get bread to the, to the widows, and, and they can't get to everyone, and, and the the, uh, the apostles are saying, we need to focus on teaching God's word. We need to raise up servants that will be faithful in doing, doing this. And there were seven guys, and Stephen was one of those guys. And Stephen was faithful to just be a waiter 
and help and get the bread to where he needs to go. But God also used him in that moment when he was faithful in that little thing. He was faithful in the big thing to, to denounce the hypocrisy of, of the Pharisees and pointing out that Jesus is the Son of God. And he did it to the point of death. We got to be the church. We have to be the church, no matter how big or small, whatever responsibility God has given you, God has given you that assignment and that responsibility. Honor it and steward it well. Am I going to church or am I being the church? The second thing is, do I promote biblical unity or destructive division? Do I promote biblical unity or destructive Decision, division. Listen, I talked about some of the doctrines that we need to be unified on, and I talked about like sometimes small opinions and things can, can cause division, but here, the biggest thing that causes division is when we're not unified on who Christ is. If we have our opinion, well, this is who Christ is, and we want to pick and choose Scripture. No, 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 no. What does the Scriptures say? And the Scriptures say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who lived a perfect life, died for our sins, rose three days later, ascended into heaven, and is coming back again. The scriptures say that there is no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, and the life. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, not a Messiah or many other gods. He is the one true God. And we, we can never lose on that. And, and if we want to pick and choose or say, well, no, there's other gods and maybe there's other ways. No, 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 no. We need to be unified in those things. And we got to make sure, like, if we have conflict with brothers and sisters in the church or questions or anything like that, we need to resolve those. Because gossiping is destructive. Tearing down one another is destructive. And if we do all those things here as the body, as the church, how are we, more dif- how are we different than what the world offers? We're not supposed to do those things. We're supposed to encourage. We're supposed to uplift. We're supposed to resolve conflict. And if there are people in here today that you need to resolve conflict with, resolve that conflict. If there's someone in here today that you, you see needs some encouragement or uplifting, encourage them. You may be the only person today that encourages them, and they may be, that may be that only little encouragement that gets them through the day. So let's be unified on the things that matter. And then the last thing is, do I love Jesus Christ and all those around me? Do I love Jesus Christ and all those things around me? Listen. We can easily love the experience of church. And, and what I mean is we, we can easily fall in love with just coming here and the lights getting low and, and worship team doing what worship team does and leading us. And we can get excitement and we, we chase that little experience. But then we leave through the doors unchanged. See, we don't come here to chase an experience we come here to worship and run after Jesus. That, that's the point of what we do. And, and you may be here, well, why do we love Jesus? Why, why should we glorify his name? Why, why should we be singing with all of our hearts and souls and our mind that Jesus is to be glorified? 
because he's, he's the only one that could save us from our sin. He's the only one who, who lived the life that we deserve. Or, I'm sorry, lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we deserve. He's the one that does heal the, heal the heart. He is the one that does break those free from the bondage of sin. He is, he is the one that sets captives free. He is the one and only one that can give fulfillment in your soul. That's why we love Jesus. And that's why we love on other people because we want other people to experience that same love. I'll end with this story if you guys would like to stand. It's called The Sound of Church Bells. It says this, in 1799, the armies of Napoleon appeared on the heights above the town of Feldrick, Austria. It was Easter day, and the rays of the rising sun glittered on the weapons of the French, and they appeared drawn up on the hills to the west of the town. The town council was hastily called together to consult what was to be done. After much discussion, the dean of the church rose and said, my brothers, it is Easter day. We have been reckoning our own strength, and that fails. Let us turn to God, ring the bells and have service as usual, and leave the matter in God's hands. They agreed to to do as he said. Then from the church towers in Feldrick, there rang out joyous peals in honor of the resurrection, and the streets filled with worshipers hastening to the church. The French heard the sudden ringing of the joy bells with surprise and alarm. They concluded that the Austrian army had arrived to relieve the place. So they hastily fled, and before the bells had ceased ringing out, not a Frenchman was to be seen. I love that story, because they didn't let the fear, they said, hey, whatever happens, if the Frenchmen come and they capture us or kill us, whatever it may be, but we're not going to let the fear of man stop us from worshiping our Lord. We're not going to let the fear of cultural views or anything stop us from worshiping our Lord. And I love what he says, whatever may come, it is in the hands of the Lord. Church, let's be the church. Let's not be fearful of what culture or things of this world have to say. But let us praise him and give him all glory and honor and share the truth to this world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. God, I thank you for everyone that is here today, Lord. God, I thank you for everyone that is able to to just hear the truth of your word, Lord God. That, That you've called us to be the church. You called us as individuals of the church to glorify you, Lord God. To glorify your name by making sure that you are first in our lives in all things, Lord God, that you are first, that you are the head of this church, Lord God, of of every church. You've called us to to use the giftings that you have given us for your glory. Father, I personally ask for forgiveness, Lord God, at times when my flesh would get in the way. When, When I think Mike Kubis' way is better than God's way. 
prideful, as arrogant, and it shows no trust in you. Father, help us as the church to, to not be prideful and arrogant in what we have accomplished, Lord, but, but always pointing back to what you accomplished, Lord, because it is you. It's not us that saves, it's you, Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit that, that saves lives. It's you, Jesus, that, that changes the hearts of men. It's you, Jesus, God, so help us as the church here at Morning Star Fellowship in Quakertown, in Pennsburg, across this country and across this world, Lord God. Recognize it's not about what we as humans do, but it's about what you as the eternal God does. And if we are faithful to you, if we are faithful to your word, if we are faithful to the direction that God is calling us to be, Lord, have your way. Father, help us break down walls. Help us break away idols and, and, and things that we think that think that we think somehow help people get saved. What helps people get saved is being truthful in a loving way. Sharing the truth of who God is. God, I thank you, praise you, we praise you. And as we go into this time of worship, Lord God, if there's anyone here today who, who needs some prayer, uh, who, who needs give their life to you for the first time, Lord, whatever it may be, Lord Jesus, would you prick their hearts, Lord God, would you meet them where they're at, Lord God, if, if there's a prayer that they need to say and a conversation they need to have with you in, in the chair or if they have the courage to come to the altar, Lord God, have your way in them today. Have your way in this church, Lord God. Have your way in the church in Pennsburg, Lord God, and, and move in a way that we have never seen before because we give you all glory and praise. In Christ's name we pray. So as we go into our time of worship, if you guys need prayer, and I'll call the worship, uh, the prayer team up as well. If any of you guys need prayer for anything, please come up to the altar. We'd love to pray with you guys. God bless.